Welcome back to Real Talk Torah, courtesy of the database with Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg. I'm Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg, and you just entered the database. Now, for today's issue, we are going to talk about Shovim. What exactly is Shovim? What do you do during Shovim? Perhaps you've heard of it, and that is because Shovim just began last week, and it begins really every Parshas Shemos, and that is because Shovim is really an acronym of Shemos Ve'era Bo B'Shalach Yisrael Mishpatim. And the question is, is there anything more to it than just that? So we'll discuss that in just a moment. Before we do, I want to just thank our sponsors. So first of all, we have Yona and Hani Laster once again. So thank you so much for your generous sponsorship for multiple episodes. And now another sponsorship for multiple episodes. Thank you for your gracious donation, Yaakov and Yafa Landau. Some more dear Chaverim. And if anyone else wants to give any kind of sponsorship. It doesn't matter how big, how small, it will be very much appreciated. And you just have to reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data, then base, B-E-I-S, at gmail.com to make your sponsorship today for the purposes of Harbatsas Torah. Any dedication you want, the money can come out of my sir. And it can be, again, I would recommend something like $18, but whatever it is, all appreciated and you can make your sponsorship today. Now let's talk about Shovavim. So, once again, you mentioned that it's an acronym of just the Parshios from last week all the way till Mishpatim. And the question is, what is so special about that? Also, on leap years, which um, is not this year, but sometimes um, Truma and Tetzave are put into this, this period of Shovavim, and it's called Shovavim Tat, for Truma Tetzave, but the question is, what exactly does that mean? What does that have to do with anything? So the first thing that I will mention is that, okay, so we have this, this, this uh, word, this acronym, Shovavim. Now, the truth is, the concept of Shovavim and what it represents, which we'll have to um, elaborate on in just a few moments, but I'll first say that a lot of it is based in Kabbalah, which... I'm not a master in by any means, and I assume you're not an expert by any means either. So we're going to tend to it, hopefully, on the level that most of us can understand it. But just understand that um, there's a lot of hidden secrets to Shovim, which we will not be able to get so far into. But that's okay, and we will, we will go as far as we can with that. So first thing to recognize is that Shovavim is actually a word. It's not just an acronym. So based on the Pasuk in Yirmiya, Shuvu Banim Shovavim, so which literally means to do Teshuvah, to return you children who are Shovavim. So what are Shovavim? So the translations um, vary depending on where you look. Some translated as mischief makers, as rebels. Um, I'm not sure if it has connotations of being complacent, but it does have connotations of of being defiant and sinning. And the tikkunim that are connected to to uh, Shovavim, at least Alpi Kabbalah, we find all these different lessons and different uh, focuses of rectification in the area of Shmiras Habris, guarding one's bris, the Makomamila, and Taras Mishpacha. That's why you, you may have heard of 
these um, Taras Mishpacha or Nida refresher courses that a Rav will either provide for men or even for women during this particular period. For some reason, this particular period is considered a time, it's an Esratzon, for doing Teshuva for Averos that are connected to marital relationships or any Averos that are somehow connected to anything I guess you can say sexual in nature, but there, but that's that's the idea of shovvim. Now, is there any particular reason why shovvim is the week for that? Why the weeks through of, of shmos through mishpatim? So I think perhaps we can say that some of the um, some of what we said in the previous real talk Torah that was about women and brismila. Right, we spoke about how Tzipora, whether or not she performed the brismila on her son. Um, the question of um, um, can women do that? Are women kshera for brismila? And is there an equivalent of brismila for women? So one of the things we had mentioned, um, which, which actually we see born out of of this this conversation about shovim, what the what the the you know the the obscure sources that are out there, where, wherever they are, the sources that talk about shovim, which you can you can just do a simple internet search for this thing. It doesn't mean everything on the internet is true. It doesn't mean that you should um, you know do, do that without caution. But if you're if you're doing a simple search of shovim, so they all talk about you know brismila and nida. Which are were the two things that those were the that, and our conclusion yes um, last time was that there was some connection between brismila for men on the one hand and nida for women on the other hand. So the question now is so what what are we supposed to do? What does Shovim want us to do? And again, why is this a shmos um, you know conversation? So going back to that other podcast that we had, we had mentioned that brismila was not just. A detail in Parshas Shemos, but it was actually very essential. It's essential to the story of the Exodus, the tahara, um, uh, and of and the maintenance of the brismila was something that was very important to the story. We, we quoted a midrashim that suggested that brismila was widely discontinued by Klai Israel at the time of Golis Mitzrayim. There are other midrashim that say that in fact brismila was not discontinued. Um, certainly, the Shevet Levi, Shevet Levi kept to it. And this was something that, you know, going into Mitzrayim, Yosef um, was very serious about. We know that Yosef maintained his bris when it came to, um, when, it, when it came to not succumbing to the Eight Sahara. Um, and so we see this not only in, in, within Yosef, but we see it in, in not, not just in Parsha Shemos, but we see it throughout, really, if you think about it, the whole concept of Brismila is the basis for the salvation that's connected with Karban Pesach. There was no Karban Pesach um, without Brismila. You couldn't eat from the Karban Pesach as a man if you didn't have a Brismila. In fact, when we say, in, we say this both at a Brismila and we say this at the Pesach Seder, the pasuk from um, from Yechezkel, which says "Vomer lach b'demai chayi, Vomer lach b'demai chayi," which literally is a, it's a declaration that we live by our blood, and we say it twice. And the Gemara, um, and I believe Rashi over there comments that what does it mean? We say it twice by your blood you shall live. So we say the two bloods. There's the blood of the carbon pesach, and there's the blood of brismila. I've heard some even said that, um, that there might be sources that suggest that Nida was also one of the things that was um, that was taken care of um, when the Bnei Israel were in Mitzrayim. That they that they were very careful about Taharas Mishpacha. So, 
we, we, we see that this as being a special time for that. And so there are a lot, again, there are a lot of tikkunim in this area that people take this time right now to work on these different areas. So related to that, and it could be this is, um, um, you know, th- th- this is my own idea, and it could be that there, there's something I'm going to stick to this, so you could take it for what it's worth. But the Chak Hal Yitzchak has a, has a principle in Torah. It's a very fascinating principle, and we might quote this Chak Hal Yitzchak in future podcasts. But the Chak Hal Yitzchak, who was, um, well, I believe he's one of the Spinker Rebels, and so, and the Chak Hal Yitzchak um, explained that whenever you have a Kriya Torah that's featured on a Yom Tov. So he explains that that same Kriya Torah, whenever it appears in the regular Kriya Torah, right, so an example might be Parshas Baha The beginning of Baha talks about the menorah that's laid on, on, on Zos Hanukkah. So that would mean that, so he explains that, so, so whenever you actually lane in real life, quote-unquote, you know, Kriyasa Torah, um, for the Parsha HaShavua, whenever the Parsha HaShavua is Parsha's Baha he says that has the Bechina, that has the energy, the element of Chanukah on a Diyaraisa level, so to speak. He says, Chanukah, you know, um, we, we lane Parsha's Baha but when we actually lane that, the energy of Chanukah um, exists even on the week of Parsha's Baha and if you lane um, um, Kriya Torah of Matan Torah, Kabbalah Satorah, Parshas Yisro, and Mishpatim, so if you, if you lane that on Shavuos, which we normally do, so says the Chakal Yitzchak, or would say the Chakal Yitzchak, that means that the week of Parshas Yisro also has an energy of Shavuos. And he says this is on a Deiraisa level, because according to the Torah, so to speak, this is what we are up to. So I was just thinking that if we, if we apply that kind of understanding to Parshios Shemos through Mishpatim, so uh, consider how Shemos through Mishpatim goes from the beginning of the Galas and it walks us all the way through the story of the Exodus, which takes us all the way to Har Sinai, and that's when we were leaving the, the, the lowest level of Tumah, or just about the lowest level of Tumah, climbing our way to the highest levels of Tahara. We had to go through a Tahara process to get the Torah. Parshas Mishpatim is where we get the end of the Kabbalah Satora story, which begins in Yisro. But that entire process is like a process of Nikios. You know, if you think of like the Zion Nikiyim, so Shovim is actually six weeks long as opposed to the seven weeks of the Nikiyim, but we can look at the Parshios Hashavua as a certain form of, of a Sphira Saomer, so to speak. We're not actually counting, but it's very similar to that period, where we're, which the Sphira Saomer, there's, there's plenty to be said about how it's connected to the Zion Nikiyim. I think the Or HaChayim says this regarding Sphira Saomer. Um, it's like it's like the seven seven days um, that you're counting the seven days of purity, and that's actually what we're doing in a certain sense from Shemos all the way through Mishpatim. We start from the lowest level and we work all the way to the highest level, so we can understand in a spiritual sense what we are working towards from Shemos going all the way to the highest possible level we can in the areas of Shmiras Habris and Taharas Mishpacha. Now the question is, um, is there anything else for for Shovavim? So there's plenty more. You know, there's some people have minhagim of fasting on certain days of shovavim. 
Um, so the, some people have a tinus dibor that they don't that they don't uh, speak even, or they don't speak during certain um, certain parts of davening where maybe normally it might be mutter. And what, what does this have to do with anything? What does this have to do with um, being of guarding your bris, right, um, and not not committing a virus in, um, in those areas? So you could say that this is just a general idea about precious, the idea of abstinence, and and um, I'm cleansing yourself from all of these things. So general um, practices of abstinence are actually good for a person's self-control. They train and condition a person with for self-control. Now that doesn't mean that you could completely, you know, be 100% abstinent. And definitely, if you lower your energy levels by exerting so much energy to to not um, to or to to, to display self-control then later you might not have that same energy so ultimately you know it's like you can't just fast forever for example you do have to eat um, and you do have to sleep and do other things that a person's body needs to do but in general the practice of abstinence is effective training for self-control and that could be a connection to the Milchama against the eight Sahara and all the other levels. So if you could control yourself when it comes to eating, so hopefully you can begin to control yourself in other areas, for example, in Shmir Sabris and Taharas Mishpacha. So that's, um, those are just a couple ideas um, pertaining to Shovim. Now, is there anything, you know, we can, anything else that we can work on? Is there anything that, that you know, um, anything Shavala Chol Nefesh, right? Because Shovim is not just for one kind of person, right? You might have a man who is a single man, you might have a woman who is a single woman, or a married man, or a married woman. And the question is, um, is, there, is there something for each of us in each of these categories that, that we can relate to in the areas that Shovavim would recommend we do some work? And the answer is, I think, yes. There, there's something for everybody here. So... Not just is there something for everybody, but I think there's something for all five senses. So, right, we have hands, eyes, ears, mouth, nose. So I think there's something to be said about all these different areas. So when it comes to eyes, there's obviously shmiras enayim. So that, um, that, 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 that's the, uh, perhaps the beginning step. The, the eyes are the window into the soul. And if a person is not guarding his eyes, we have a commandment, lo um, and this means that you have to be careful. You know, internet has pop-ups. Even if you're not looking for certain things, even if you're just you know looking in the news, the news nowadays has so many things that are that are just not for a bentura. So you you have to really really keep your guard up. And that, that that's already just talking about seeing it by accident. So kavachomer, you know, seeing it on purpose. Um, you ha- you have to know yourself, and you have to know um, what what your weaknesses are. But um, for certainly for men, and this is not limited to single men. And that's the point. Like one important point is that um, in the, the whole idea of of shmir sabris doesn't just go out the window when when a man gets married. That, that that's a constant thing that he has to do. So whether a man is single or or plural, I guess if he's single or married, he has to um, consider shmir sainayim. Not just considered, he has to do shmir sainayim. Um, so that's that's just for the eyes, right? So ears, some men have colicia. So what about um, so what about a woman in this area? So we'll, we'll we'll come back to the role of a woman at the end, right? Um, and I, I will do all the mansplaining I need to do um, for the role of a woman in all of this. 
but we'll, we'll, we'll keep it for the men right now. So for men, men have to be obviously be careful about the different standards of standards of kolisha. Now there are different standards, and there's some that are more machmir, some that are more makel. And I'm not here to paskin for you what the different levels are and which one you should be machmir for. But as long as shovim is a time that we are all trying to take it a step up. So consider where you are now, and consider what you where you want to be, and maybe that's something that you should um, you should think about in terms of what you, what you should be doing in in terms of kol isha. Now, how about mouth? So there's dibor, right? There you might also talk about chibok and nishok, but we'll keep that for for touch. Um, but in the meantime, dibor. So speaking. So obviously, there's nivel pet speaking about things that are not appropriate content. And those things lead to obvious, um, they lead to hirhurim, to inappropriate thoughts. And we actually had a real talk Torah a few weeks back about um, Nivel Peh, which was, it wasn't so much, it wasn't, it wasn't um, strictly about Nivel Peh, it was also about the Lashon Sach Venaki having an absolutely pristine speech. But beyond that, I would say, um, when it comes to Dibor, you know, it's, it's, it's also about speaking to people of the opposite gender. And again, this is not just for singles, you know. And obviously, a single who's dating. So um, there's there there are things that should be said. There are things that should not be said. And there's there's tachlis speaking, and then there's sichas chulin. And I'm not talking about the sichas chulin that engenders um, you know a relationship between people who are in shaduchim, but sichas chulin that is not tachlis oriented. It's not an in, in any which way, and it's just for the sake of um, perhaps, um, you could say, trying to arouse certain thoughts that shouldn't be there, and any, anything that's flirtatious over, you know, that, that's beyond the pale, or let's say it's not in the context of shidduch dating. So obviously, um, in, in any outside context, it's not appropriate, and it doesn't matter if the person is your sister-in-law. It doesn't matter if it is your friend's wife. It's even worse, honestly, if it's any of these things. Um, uh, but you know, it doesn't matter what the relationship is if the person is usher to you. So, so excessive debor might be a problem, and that might be a problem even if it's over the phone, and it might be a problem even if it's over WhatsApp. So the point is that debor is something that that should be considered. You know, having certain gedarim. If you're going to speak to them, what are the contexts under which you are going to speak to them? So, so dibor is obviously something. So he did eyes, ears, mouth, nose. So, um, I don't, you know, I don't know if there's anything absolutely explicit, but certainly, um, don't be creepy and start sniffing things that you shouldn't be sniffing. Um, in, in, and that doesn't just go for for shmiras um, abris, but anything, you know, anything. That you shouldn't be doing. Um, there, there, there are a lot of things that you shouldn't be sniffing, but um, you know, I, I think that that, that you know, th- I think there are sources that talk about um, I'm smelling the perfume of a, of a woman. So eyes, ears, mouth, nose. So those are obviously um, things that you have to be concerned about. Now, obviously, there's hands, there's touch, there's chibok, nishok, neshomer, negia. So the, these things are, are basics, you know. To and it could, could be to um, a lot of people. Depending on which circle you're from, these things are not basics, or these things are not to be taken for granted. Um, but the, these things are all important. Now, even if a person is married, right? So even with a person's own wife. So this is where where we come back to Taras Mishpacha. You know, with, when it comes to the harchakos or the different practices that um, that we have in Hilchos Nida, that we all that all married 
couples have learned in chasen and kala classes things they are allowed to do when it comes to passing things to each other or even certain speech that um, that married couples will will say to each other if the woman is a nida so there's certain things that are not supposed to be said there's certain parts of the body that are supposed to be covered if you know it's not the time that they're able to be together so Again, these things don't go out the window just because you're married, just because you have Paso Basalo. So that doesn't make a heter for you to not do Shemir Seinayim when it comes to your wife while she's in either, or when it comes to any other woman or any other human, any other being, any other, any other thing. You're not supposed to look at things in an inappropriate way. Right? Even in, you know, the... In, the Gemara says, even looking at the small finger of another woman who you're not supposed to be with. So e- even that is, is not okay if you're looking at it for the wrong reasons. So there, there, there is what to be said even there. And again, if a person is married, the, um, the, the, these things also in many ways might be even maximized. Um, what, what you should and should not be doing. Because, you know, you have your wife, but that doesn't mean, that, that obviously doesn't mean that other people's wives are now, because, because, you know, you can be with your own wife, so now it's okay for you to, to get loose when it comes to other people's wives. Because, you know, you're supposed to only be thinking of your own wife if you're a man. So, obviously, these things are, um, these things are equally applicable to married men and single men. The only difference is that, you know, men has the, the, the laws, a, a man who is married has the laws of, of Nida with his own wife. Obviously, someone who's single does not have that at the moment. Okay, so th- those are obviously things that are important. Now, how about for a woman? Okay, married or single, doesn't really matter. And, you know, um, they may or may not like this, but um, I'm going ba- to mansplain a little bit about the concept of Tznios, which is something that has come up in our podcast as well, and it has come up um, in my podcast that I did with Nobody Talks Shaduchim. Um, where we spoke, where we spoke about the the Vilna Gaon's assessment of the woman's equivalent of Talmud Torah is actually Tznius, right? Where you have a man who is chayiv and shmiras sabris, you will have a woman who is chayiv and Tznius. Um and part of that is maybe um, you know it might be connected to nida, but more fundamentally, it's the you know when we think about the man's role as a mashpia and the woman's role as a makabel, something that we have spoken about in the past too, that the man is the influencer, he is he he's the bounty giver, and the woman is the recipient. So there's obviously a place where a man is not supposed to give, right? There, a man can't just give wherever he wants to give. Right, so a man has to guard his bris on the one hand, and also a woman can't just receive wherever she wants to receive. Right, so part of the guarding of the Shmir Sabris obviously is making sure not to give insert you know in the wrong context. And for a woman, right, so in in that particular case, so her job is to make sure not to receive in the wrong context. And part of that, part of the guard for that is Tsnius. Very simple. This this might you know sound mind blowing, but it's as simple as that. And you know it, it's funny because we we know that the marital union is one of the holiest things. Rabbi Akiva referred to Shir Hashirim as Kodesh Hakadoshim, um, even though people you know in his time were were saying how can you say such a thing? But but the the whole concept of the giving, the unity between the one who gives and the one who receives, that that the, the love that takes place between a husband and a wife, so that's something that is obviously very holy, 
But it's not just because you have a man who is happy and now a woman who is happy. You know, just people being happy and making each other happy does not necessarily make for holiness, doesn't make for Kodesh HaKadashim, unless it's in the holy context, the context in which Hashem created and intended for it to be. So if you have, you know, so we don't just assume that um, love conquers all. Well, you know, that, that, that's, that's not a Jewish ideal. Um, and so, you know, just because a person wants to give to another person, I, I, I remember I once, I once heard an argument, um, you know, it was a high schooler's argument, and, and it's very obvious why. They, you know, a girl who said that, you know, she was able to have um, a physical contact with her boyfriend because, and, and she, she was able to rationalize that this was a mitzvah because she was making another Jew happy. So, if you, if you can't catch what's wrong with that, so, um, you know, it, it could be that this podcast is just too heavy for you. But the, the idea is, is the same that when it comes to the Torah's ideal of holiness, there's something very holy about the giving and the receiving, the giving of the man and the receiving of the woman, and that is in the holy context which Hashem created it. And so just, you know, so that's why a man who loves to give should not be so openly and overly giving to women who are not his wife. And women who, you know, it's, it's her job in a certain sense, to receive from the man. And a, and a woman um, who is receiving from her husband, at the very least, she's supposed to receive the ultimate best. The, 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 she's supposed to receive pleasure from her husband. And, and it's considered the right thing. She, she's holy and deserves to be honored. But her receiving pleasures and honors, and certainly overly from men who are not her husband... So obviously that's a problem, even though when it's between a man and a woman, this is beautiful and this is holy. So when it's not man's wife, when it's not the woman's husband, that's obviously not holy. And any other permutation that's not in accordance with halacha, you'll have the same problem. But we see a little bit how um, this, this, this works, this concept of shovavim, and where all these things can be applied. So... Hopefully, um, you know, we, we learned a thing or two. We see that we can, we can apply, um, where we can apply the ideals to, of Shovim to all people. Um, and again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to manifest somewhat differently for each one, but the, the basic idea is all the same, that we, are, we, we have a goal of Shemir Sabris on the one hand, Taras Mishbecha on the other. This comes with things like Tznias, with things like Gedarim, and we should be zocha to all those tikkunim in all these different areas to find out which one's the one that we need to be working on personally. And Bezras Hashem, we should reach that ultimate level of purity. In the meantime, that's all we have left for this Real Talk Torah. So keep it real, keep talking, and most importantly, keep the Torah. Thanks for joining us here at the database.